Everybody ready? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. It's The Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Live, Larry H. Miller, Chrysler, Jeep Dodge Ram right here in Sandy, 10905 South Automall Drive. We still have some jazz gear for you if you want to drop by and see us. Not to mention, uh, take advantage of their Black Friday sale going on this month as well as uh, their Employee Pricing Plus sale. Now is the time to uh, take advantage of it, so come on by and see us. We're hoping to talk to David Locke coming up here momentarily, but uh, that uh, depends on what time their uh, their flight lands, Gordon, as uh, they travel to Memphis today where they're going to take on the Grizzlies coming up on uh, on Friday night. By the way, game time for that will be 6 o'clock, so the big show on Friday will be cut a little bit short. We'll start pregame at 5, but we'll still be at the warehouse in uh, Salt Lake until 6. Indeed. Go see Tom and the gang down there. That's I'm looking forward to that game because I think it'll be a nice homecoming for Mike uh, Conley. Yeah, I, I'm interested to see what kind of ovation he gets. Cause I, and I say ovation quite on purpose because I expect it to be very positive. Oh, big time. Because he was traded away. It's not like he walked away in free agency. And he said all the right things. Yeah. And, I mean, he, and he that is, fan base gets where oh, they're at. Oh, yeah, they, they, they had a they chance to draft John Morant. Yeah. What's your thoughts on him, by the way, as we wait to see? I think he's going to be a really good pro. I think he's going to be really, uh, really good, too. As long as that athleticism holds and he develops, uh, I think he should be very, very good. I'm with you. Uh, All right. Let's get out to the Sprint Special Guest Line. Lease any handset and get an iPad for $99.99. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. Of course, uh, Locke's, uh, he's the radio voice of the Utah Jazz. He's our friend David Locke. Hi, David. How are you? I'm great. How are you guys doing? We're wonderful, and uh, David, I want to I want to start here because Gordon and I talked about this a lot in the three o'clock hour. I thought you made a, a very insightful comment when we were doing crosstalk on the broadcast yesterday, talking about Joe Ingles and uh, and Quinn Snyder putting Joe Ingles in for closing time. Will you, uh, for big show listeners who maybe maybe didn't catch it, will you kind of reset what you were talking about there? Because I I thought you were right on the money. Well, the bigger picture concept is, and I don't know this because I haven't talked to Quinn today, so I don't know if this is true. So this is kind of a um, me just guessing. But the the bigger picture issue is the concept that these coaches coach for an 82 game schedule and to have this team together in April and hopefully in May and maybe even in June, rather than always trying to win that given night. We as fans are watching and Twitter is particularly watching games given it being that night. Um, so last night, Joe's 0 for 6 and struggling, and Royce O'Neal seemingly was doing a pretty good job on on Kyrie Irving. seemed like a prime night for the possibility that you might decide to not finish with Joe Ingles and instead that you close with Royce O'Neal. Turned out Joe did a heck of a job on, on Kyrie and you know used his length, and his length is, is incredibly valuable. Um, but I think the bigger picture item was that there's a you know kind of an understanding between Joe and Quinn that, hey, I'm going to take you off the bet you're going to come off the bench, but you're no less important to us than you've ever been before. And you're still a vital part of this team and you'll still play the key big moments. And at that moment, you know, this is that faith that Quinn has on Joe based on, you know, his three years of commitment and their connection and what Joe's purpose is in the locker room, or is it based on a given night where he's over six? And so, you know, if Quinn, 
benches Joe last night to close the game and goes to Royce O'Neal, which he has done in other circumstances this year where Royce O'Neal had an assignment and he left him out there, you know, maybe you're beginning to chip away at that faith that Joe has that you're saying, hey, I'm on your side and I asked you to come off the bench, but you're still super important to us. And maybe you're chipping away a little bit at Joe in the locker room. And so, you know, the bigger picture is, Let's send Joe the message that you're still super important to this team and send the message to the locker room that Joe's still super important. And then he goes out and does the job. And even, you know, even in the sense that you're trying to win a game that night, but you're also trying to hold the team together for 82, we've got the best of both worlds. Speaking just at the offensive end about Joe, uh, David, is this just one of those little offensive slumps players go through sometimes? Or do you think he's adjusting to his teammates? Well, what's going on with him? Well, there's a few things probably. One is, uh, probably, wow, there's a lot. All right, so until last night, the only thing that was really different was that his off the bat last year, which has always been a little hit and miss with him. Um, and he, he kind of gets a rhythm as the season goes on. His catch-and-shoot stuff was just as good. Um, that was not the case last night. He didn't, he didn't hit the catch-and-shoot either, and so that's going to change his numbers because we're dealing with a small sample size. But generally, that's been the case. He's also getting a little bit different looks. He's getting more off-the-bounce threes than he's getting um, catch-and-shoot threes. Um, then the other one is if you actually go back and look at last year's numbers, and I don't think I have them, when he was playing with the ball in his hands and uh, playing the pick-and-roll with Joe with Derek Favors all the time, and we, we actually he actually didn't shoot very well. Like if you actually dug into last season, um, it wasn't great. Um, and I'll see if I can find it. Um, but when he was on the floor with Derek Favors without any point guards and he was playing point guard, he actually didn't have very good numbers because he can't pass to himself. And so he wasn't getting great looks out of that. It just was a circumstance where it worked for the team, and so he did it. This year I would say there might be something a little similar to doing to that, that he's, he's running the offense a little bit without anyone you know who's as good as um, Derek Favors. And then Emmanuel Moutier and Jeff Green are not big passers. So it might not be an environment where he's getting a lot of great looks. David Locke with us, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The other thing uh, Gordon and I have talked a lot about today, we, we did it in the 4 o'clock hour where we actually walked through Emmanuel Moutier's story, and he came to this country as a, as a young boy from Africa, what is now the Congo, where his mom actually came out a year and a half advance of them and then brought uh, he and his brother out here to this country. And uh, we, we went through the part of the story. I, I can't. I mean, it's, it's so amazing. Could you imagine 18 months of your life in a war-torn country, bouncing from family to family, not knowing if you're ever going to see your mom uh, again? Wow. And and imagine if she didn't have the courage to do it, David, and and that would have changed his life forever. I mean, can you imagine what it would take for her uh, to do that, to get a better life for her family? I, I mean, I think it's remarkable. And, and the point was is that this guy combined that with the fact that he could have gone somewhere else and started, but he wanted to get to be a better player, and he came to the Jazz to develop and to work on his game, and he got some advice from his agent to take the minimum deal with the Jazz and become a better player. This guy is so easy to root for, and if he succeeds, the truth is it's going to be mutually beneficial for everybody involved. Yeah, I mean, and he's really got to, you know, I thought it was interesting the other night Quinn got asked before the game about him bringing a scoring punch off the bench, and he's like, I just want him to be a player. I don't want him to be a scorer. I want him to be a player. And that's probably, the, you know, as much as last night was a great scoring night for him, and he can certainly do that. Um, that's probably the biggest thing that they're trying to get him to adjust to is that his instinct is that every single time he gets the ball, he drives to the basket 
beats his initial guy and then plays from there. And there are times in our offense where that's the right thing to do, and there are times when that might not be the right thing to do. And I think that's a um, that's a big part of of what they're trying to get him to develop in the process is an understanding. Um, you know, those no pass possessions. Even if you make the shot, they're not great. Uh, and so, you know, how do you get him to, as he begins to learn when to pick his spots? Um, and and he does play with better tempo um, than we generally do, which is good. The team needs to pick it up a little bit in the tempo realm. Um, so he's, you know, he's kind of learned his game. It's, he's used to go to the rim a lot and not finish at all. Now he kind of picks his spots, and the drive last night was terrific. So that was a great game last night by Emmanuel Moutier. Um, I haven't gotten to know him much as a person. He seems... Um, he seems very nice, um, and seems, you know, uh, can, like the guys have a good time around him. He's in a, he's in a pretty good mood all the time. Um, they seem to like having him around. He's good. He's joking around. So, um, I'm sure hopefully he's enjoying himself because it is, it is a tremendously different role for him than he's ever had before. If you look at what's been asked of him in the past and look at his kind of career load, this is, this has got to be really strange for him because he started 66 games his first year, 41 his second. He was oft injured that year. And then even in New York last year, you know, he starts 45 games. He's played 27, 28 minutes on average, takes a lot of shots. Um, his rookie year, he took 13 shots a game. Last year, he took 13 shots a game. And now all of a sudden, you know, we're, we're asking him to play a little differently. Um, and so far, he's done a pretty darn good job of it. Uh, I think we've been positive with him on just about every single game on the floor. Yeah. By the way, I, I one agree. note, back to our past conversation. Uh, Joe Ingles is shooting five percentage points better on the from the field and from three if on the floor with Mike Conley. Oh, interesting. <laughs> All right, David. So this might be true for some of the other better teams in the West, but I think it's certainly true for the Jazz. Should it be intimidating for opposition – of the Jazz, the fact that they are eight and three right now, and probably that might be nine and three after the game at Memphis, and they're not even hitting on all their cylinders yet. Um, I mean, they're good. That's, I mean, if that's what you're asking, I think they're really good. Um, and we're gonna, you know, I, I think that they can, I think they can get better. Um, it's gonna take some time. Uh, our shot composition is really kind of messed up right now. Um, makes me uncomfortable. Um, and I think I understand why every single one of our guys thinks they're a scorer because they have been at some point in their career. And so when they get open in the middle of the lane, they, their thought is to shoot. And so we're going to have to get them to play with their eyes out a little bit more than they're playing right now and, and see how they see if they can adjust like that. Um, it's, it's not an easy task to ask these guys to do that. So, um, you know, I, I think, I think the offense will come around. I'm pleased with the defensive rebound. The offensive rebound has been a little bit better recently, as is the um, uh, as is the uh, lack of turnovers. So that gives you a chance. Um, I, I mean, I think we're really good. I, I'm I'm not. I don't. I, I want to see the shot composition get back to where it should be. It, it, it kind of where it is right now makes me a little uncomfortable. David Locke with us on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. David, the kind of main storylines uh, thus far in the, the Jazz season have, have changed a little bit. And some have been a bigger deal than others, whether it's, uh, you know, Mike Conley struggles at the beginning to uh, the preseason narrative of the defense was going to struggle to rebounding for a couple of games. But my question to you is, what is the biggest storyline with the Jazz right now that's flying under the radar? Uh, probably not to 
us flying under the radar. Well, I mean, I just think the biggest storyline, and I think maybe the rest of the league hasn't grabbed it yet, is the defense. Hmm. I mean, it's huge. And I mean, I said when the year started, if this team could still be a top-five defensive team, they're going to be the number one seed in the West. I, I didn't think that they'd be the number one defensive team in the league. I mean, there were 11 games in the season. They're the number one defensive team in the NBA. Like, I didn't – like, that's crazy. Like, and and that's playing – like, I mean, it's not that crazy if you looked at the numbers and you listened and you knew it was paying attention that Rudy Gobert, when he's been on the floor with a stretch big, has actually always been the, for a longer sample size, has been better defensively than he was when he was on the floor with Derek Favors. But you still thought losing Derek Favors would have an offensive impact. Right now it's been the opposite. Um, now, is that going to last forever? We have not played, you know, of the elite offensive teams in the league. We have not played Dallas. We have not played Boston. We have played now played Brooklyn Phoenix. They're three and four. We've played not played Houston. We've played Milwaukee. I mean, we, so we've played three of our nine games are against or three of our, what are we, ten games? So three of our ten games are against three of the top 60 offenses. We've played the Clippers twice. We're tenth once without Kawhi. Um, so, I mean, we've played some not very good offensive teams, and maybe you're inflating this a tiny bit. I don't know if that's really true. I'm trying to just say that to say it's not actually true at all. Of the bottom ten offensive teams in the league, we've played Sacramento twice, who's 20th, and we've played Oklahoma City once. Otherwise, we haven't played New York, Orlando, Memphis, Atlanta, Charlotte, Chicago, Denver, Cleveland, who all suck offensively, or, our, or ourselves is actually in that group. So I, I, I may be trying to keep a little – you know, I'm, I'm worried about the shot distribution. I'm trying to keep some calm here for a minute, but I mean, there's a real chance that things are going really, really well right now. But if we, when you looked at this when the year started, if the defense was going to be elite, then this team seemed like it was really destined to be the number one seed in the West. And so far, the defense is elite. And in the first half of the games, which it was not last night, but still for the season, it's so much better than the rest of the league. And there is kind of a general feeling in the league early in the year, particularly what your defense is in the first half of games is what your defense is, because then you play the score after that. Last night was a little different, but our defense in the first half is a lot better than the rest of the league. So let me ask you a little bit about last night's game defensively, David. Obviously, you guys keep asking late me these night- questions to try to get me like you keep asking these questions to try to get me to commit to like overwhelming optimism, and then I walk in and like Vince Lagarza, who's six <laughs> eight, beats the crap out of me, and Johnny Bryant tells me I'm putting too much pressure on, beats me up, and you know you're gonna get me beat up in the back of. Uh, I'm up at the back of the practice facility all bruised and battered if you guys aren't careful. Well, I appreciate your realistic approach and breaking it down the way you do. But in last night's game, they're coming back from playing the Golden State and all that, and the defense, by their standard, was relatively poor in the first half, but it gets better as the game goes on. How, If you're tired, if the fatigue is a factor, how do you get better as the game wears on? Well, I think you're playing the score, and like you got to suddenly play, right? Um, and I think that's what happened last night. I mean, the the defense in the second half was was pretty remarkable against a really really good offensive team. And in the first half, they you know we got in, you know we got in two thirty, and everybody got to bed at four, you know, or three thirty or four. So um, you know, it's just you're not quite right. You're playing back in the back to back. The west to east, west to east back to backs are always brutal, and you know, I thought last night was super impressive because that's just a game you don't usually get. Um, it would have seemed pretty easy for me to, but, you know, it didn't go right. And as Quinn kind of said after the game, I thought the 
the overall competitiveness of the group really showed, which is pretty amazing. The Jazz defensive rating in the second half is an 86.8. I mean, that's incredible. 86.8 against a team that's third best offensive team in the league whose offensive rating is about a 114. So and they can conjure it when they need it. They can conjure it. Man. Right, and, it's, 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 and that's a little bit of the reverse theory of what first halves mean. Is first halves, you play defense, you get up by 15, and then you just kind of let it, you know, then you let the game roll. And so if you can score, they you let them, you know, you're playing just trading baskets at that point. Um, and and that's why some people really think that, you know, the Warriors used to be the, like, number one defensive league in the first and first and fourth quarters and it was because they played hard in the first quarter and then they waited till the fourth quarter if they had to again um and that's you know i I don't think that's entirely what we're doing here but um it's it's you know even after last night i think if you look at first quarter defense which is our starters against their starters supposed to be what we're not going to be great at we're now number two in the league defensively after last night in the first quarters with only chicago being better um but like not even like Chicago is kind of a crazy ninety one point six, and we're ninety three point eight. The next closest is ninety six. So, um, you know, I I think we might be really good. I, 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 our first half defense is a ninety four. The next best in the league is a ninety eight, and the league average is a one hundred four. We're ten points better than the league average defense in the first half of games for hundred possessions. It's crazy. Uh, David Locke, finally, uh, from me anyway, before we let you go, um, how fun was it to have your dad doing stats for you uh, the other night when uh, they were taking on Golden State? And I know you, uh, you, uh, you expect a, a high performance from that position on a, on a game-by-game basis. So I guess uh, give your dad a grade. Um, well, he's my dad, so he gets an A+. Plus. He's my favorite person <laughs> in the world. Um, he probably gets a B. He's pretty good. He's not. He's not the worst I have. He's probably not as good as some of the best I have. Um, that game didn't lead to a lot of stats, um, so I'm not sure we ever found out. Um, but he's a. It's a. It's a special treat. I got. I got lucky in life on that one. So um, fun to have him around. And you know, Jake, the next one you'll be impressed by is if he can pull it together. We're, our All Star break this year is a three generation helicopter skiing trip. Oh, oh cool. awesome. Yeah, that sounds so incredible. 80, I, 80-year-old dad, my kids, and me all going just running over Ruby River for three days and uh, going helicopter skiing together. David, I've had the privilege of meeting your dad. He is an impressive individual. Impressive. He's, he's a good one. I haven't met many smarter than he is, so I was fortunate in that regard. However, though, you you talk about me asking you questions that get you in trouble. That question you just asked, Jake, I mean, if if David had had a weak moment. (laughs) Didn't handle it right. Yeah, if he had remembered back to maybe a a point when he was a teenager when his dad may have disciplined him, and so he came up with a low grade, he would have been in real trouble right now. Right. Yeah, Dad and I always got along. Um, Dad and I did pretty pretty well. We only had two fights our whole lives. So I did all right. Um, I just I just like that we had a Harvard man on the broadcast. What? That's right. <laughs> well, he, you so know, you know, it was no pressure, no pressure being raised by him. You know, he only went he went to two schools, Harvard and Stanford. <laughs> Both not sounds bad. Like, sounds Sorry. like a slacker to me. Uh, what <laughs> what was the nature of the fight, David? What in the world did you do oh, geez, to get Gordon, your very very reasonable dad angry at you? Uh, one of them was I was not applying to good enough colleges because I was not a good enough student. How's that? The other one, I'll leave private. 
That's funny. <laughs> uh, David, uh, always a pleasure to catch up with you. Uh, look forward to uh, talking to you on the uh, on the pregame on Friday. We'll look forward to it. Talk to you guys soon. See you, David. David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz. So you heard David basically give you the same argument about uh, Joe Ingles finishing the game that I that I did. And you didn't give him any pushback. With As, me, I felt like I had to punch myself in the no, face. I was no, so no, frustrated. No. See, you're, you're miscalculating here and misjudging uh, the, the, my intent. I was not saying that I was right. I was presenting a point of view. Very obnoxiously. Well, probably. <laughs> probably. Big thanks to uh, David for jumping on with us. Uh, we'll get that interview up online at uh, 1280thezone.com. We'll get to more coming up next. Stay tuned. It is the big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're live today from Larry H. Miller, Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram here in the Southtown Audemars, 10905 South Audemars Drive. We still have a couple of T-shirts to give away if you want to drop by and uh, see us. And, Gordon, you want to you want to do something this this jazz season. We're going we're gonna to keep something rolling. Should we talk about this at all? We should. I um, uh, you were very definitive on what was it the Warriors game? What you thought yeah. the score was the score was going to be? You were very specific. I, I predicted one twelve to eighty nine, and what it ended up being one twenty two. Yeah, it was much higher scoring than that. One, I don't know. Give something. Me, give me a second. Anyway, it doesn't really matter. I was wrong. One twenty two, one oh eight. Okay, so as we discussed that, you said that if I got the score exactly right. The next day, you would agree with everything I said. The whole day. I would agree with everything that you say. And you promised to buy Austin a box of donuts. You, for some reason, volunteered me to do that, but but sure. And I think Kristen Kenny was in on it as well. She apparently is a fan of the donut as well. Yeah, so uh, a box of donuts for Austin and a box of donuts for Kristen. And I have to agree with you. And you have to agree with me, which is the absolute most painful part of the whole bet. By far. So if I, I'm going to predict the score. So we want to do this every game? I'm going to predict the score every single game. And if I ever get it right, then that's what This is what we're going to do? Yes. Okay. All right. What if I get it right like 15 times? Not a chance it's going to (laughs) happen, but then I would have to agree with everything you said for an entire day 15 times. That's a lot of boxes of donuts. I don't think you're going to hit it once. And that has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with it. It's so random. Numerically, like, it's, uh, the, the odds are long. The odds of you doing that are very long. Yes. Well, we're going to try. Okay. So I will. And so if, if anybody out there, any of our listeners have uh, a best guess, pass it along to me at Gordon Monson so I can, I can do my best to come up with the right score. Well, you'll have a couple of days to decide on this one. Yes, uh, against Memphis coming yeah. up on Friday. So we'll announce crunch the, the numbers. Yes, and we'll announce it the day of the game. And if you can help me with that, uh, any of you who have an opinion on it, pass it along to me. And Gordon will will guess the exact score. And by golly, please let it happen at least once. I I, I hope it does, and maybe it'll happen more than once. We'll see. You know, that reminds me of uh, of Coach uh, uh, Tom Nasalki 
Um, and, uh, and we're sad he's left us, but, uh, it, it, I, I didn't work with him a ton on the pre half and post game shows for the jazz, but I did work with him uh, a little bit. And, uh, at the time we had a producer for the broadcast. His nickname was, was blue. Mm-hmm. And Tom was convinced because we did this promotion, the guess the score contest before every game. And it was a, a trip to Wendover. <laughs> if you, if you guessed the score and Tom was convinced that that blue was just pocketing all of those. He going out the window, <laughs> going out the window for like twice a week. It was Where'd so blue funny. Go? It was so funny. Like uh, going out the window, you're right this way, Mr. Blue. Your your normal table is right over here. Your normal table. Of course, everything was comped for him because right. he was such a regular. He was Mr. Like blue. Uh, but uh, that's that's kind of a fun memory there. Mm-hmm. But, All right, uh, well, he was convinced. We're going to give it a whirl for the rest of the year. And uh, we'll see. Uh, so I mean, I do need help. I mean, I'm not. That's I'm, fine. You I'm can, not psychic, you know. But maybe some of our listeners are. You can solicit so, help. So please, for this Memphis game coming up, get in tune with the vibes of the uh, the universe, and let's see if we can make Jake pay. You, uh, I could see you believing in psychics. I don't know. I, I saw a psychic once, and I didn't really like what I heard. <laughs> What did they say? I don't remember all the specifics. Why? What were the circumstances of you seeing a psychic? Oh, it was on the air. We had a. It was on radio. Yeah, yeah. It was on the air back in like the nineties or something. And uh, she predicted uh, some things, and she predicted some things about the jazz, and she was wrong about those things. Oh, really? Yeah. So I was hoping. So you're not buying it. Well, I mean, I mean, storming well, Area Fifty One. Depart- you're fine with that, but psychics were using her. So what does that say? That's a gross uh, misuse of resources, <laughs> is what that says. I don't know. I don't know about psychics. Maybe some of them are right on the money. Maybe some of them aren't. I, I, I haven't. I don't have a, a firm conviction one way or the other. Jazz fan Dan is already uh, helping you, Gordon. He says oh. eight hundred and ninety to three this Friday. <laughs> Oh, thanks for that help. I appreciate it. That would be quite the game. That would well, be- see, see, what he what he is missing is we're trying to make this as painful as possible for you. So help me out. So if you go O for the season, can I get something? Yeah, then I'll then I'll pay. Oh, so I'll, you, I'll, you'll, be, you'll I'll agree, agree with, with you me? for a show, and I'll buy uh, both Austin and. Kristen, uh, boxes of donuts. Okay, so is this just a regular season thing, or will we do it into the playoffs too? Uh, yeah, I, I need every advantage I can get. So the more games, the better chance okay. I have at least getting one. That's right. fair. Yeah, I can come along with you on yeah. that one. So I'll do that. I will. All right, we'll do that. Uh, we'll do that throughout the NBA season. That should be Man, fun. I mean, what are the odds that I get it right? Probably this whole thing favors you. I think this whole thing favors me. But you do have a lot of opportunity to get it right. Okay. So, you, you know. Well, what, I need even more you help. Uh, please help me because now i got more at stake. You know what they say. I mean, even a blind squirrel finds a nut once in a while. Well, I, are you calling our listeners blind? No, I'm, I'm calling you the blind squirrel. Well, wait a minute. I just said I was going to use the help. No, they, they can give you direction, but you, you <laughs> in this. You think I, someone's going to get the score right and I'm going to pick the wrong one. You know, that's what's going to happen. Uh, Gordon, uh, real quick here. Colin Kaepernick is uh, is going to have a workout uh, for NFL Brass. Now, they won't say who's actually going to be there. But if you had to make a bet, is he going to come out of this with a job? I don't. I, I'm not overly optimistic about that. But, see, I don't know whether Colin Kaepernick can play. 
I bet he can still play. Can he? I don't, uh, I don't to, know. To make I, an NFL roster. I hold, I hold nothing against him. If he can play, give him a job. You know, this whole idea of locking him out, and I, I don't like it. It leaves a bad taste in everybody's mouth. If the guy's good enough to play, then don't hold something against him that has nothing to do with the game itself. Let me ask you this. If you were an NFL team and he told you, you know, you, you go watch him work out and he meets your standard, whatever that is, mm-hmm. you think you have a use for him, you ask him, you say, hey, Colin, are you going to fall in line or are you going to continue your previous behavior? And he said, I'm going to continue my previous behavior. Would you sign him? Well, first of all, I wouldn't ask him that question. Right. I would just, That's I would, very relevant. I would just sign him based on whether I thought he could help my team. I wouldn't. Hmm. Well, all right. We. Well, agree with him or not is not really the point. It, it, unless he falls in line, it's going to be a circus. Why wouldn't you consider that? Well, I guess, but I don't like asking that question because I don't think oh. I think it's immaterial. I don't like getting out of bed before nine a.m. <laughs> That's your point. I, it's a it's a very relevant thing. Like uh, if you want to compare it to something around here, if I were the Jazz, I would not uh, uh, at the time when he came out of college or even years subsequent, I would not consider signing Jimmer Fredette. How much? Because the circus would be would be way okay. would way outweigh the benefits. What? And if you're signing Kaepernick to be your third string quarterback, what do you need a circus for? Okay, so what? How much pressure would come to him to? Do it again. Because would people think he's a sellout if he doesn't do it because he did it yes. before? Yes. That's and, why I don't think it's going to happen. Hmm. I don't think I don't think anything is going to come of this. I, I just, okay, so maybe there are two different things here, but they're blended. I get it. But, man, I'm curious to know whether this guy can play. Well, and maybe he ends up in the XFL. I kind of doubt it. But. Maybe maybe we find that out. Maybe we don't. All I know is if I'm an NFL team, I do not want the president of the United States tweeting critically about me every single week. Yeah, it's it's just I don't I hate to see an opinion of an American influence whether he gets employment for what he's really good at doing. You know what I, I mean? I agree with you in concept, but I'm, I'm trying to I, think I about reality you. here. I hear you. I know. And, and the, the great part about this country is that we have free speech, but that just means the government doesn't put you in jail. That doesn't mean that you're free from consequence. Yeah. I guess that's the way it is. It's the way it is. And Colin Kaepernick is not in jail. No, I wonder, has he made money off of this? Yes, he, had, he still has that huge deal with Nike. They launched that, uh, what was it, last year, that commercial. Yeah. So has he made as much as he would have been making had he continued to play as a backup quarterback in the NFL? I don't know, but I, I got to imagine no. He's certainly gained more notoriety. He has gained more notoriety. That's true. But I don't think I don't think Nike is paying him enough to make up for. Well, I mean, this is the NFL we're talking about. The salaries is not like we're talking about Major League Baseball. So maybe he has. I wonder if we could find that out. Maybe a quick Google search. How yeah, much you I, made from, I, from I don't Nike? Know. But it's a, it's a, for for all the reasons you have brought up. It is a complicated issue. It's a complicated circumstance, and we know we know how the NFL feels about it. Because if he can play, he would have already been signed. Nobody wants to touch him. Nope, because they don't want to deal with it. You called it a circus. Teams don't want that. I wouldn't if I'm trying to concentrate on winning and 
keep teams focused and that sort of thing. And maybe that's unfair to Colin Kaepernick. I'm not, I'm not really trying to excuse behavior one way or another. I'm just trying to operate in what would I do if I were trying to be a general manager of an NFL football team. Okay, let me ask you this then. Had Colin Kaepernick been an absolute star? He'd still be in the league. He wasn't good enough to pull this. Because initially people thought he was. If if Tom Brady were to pull this, would he still be in the league? That's my you, question. You bet. So it all depends on how good you are. Unfortunately. I mean, that doesn't seem all that fair, but it's the truth. Man, if a star like Tom Brady did that, and Tom wouldn't, but if he did, what would the league do? Just live with it? That, game after game after game? At that point, you'd have to because, I mean, how many teams out there would give Tom Brady a job? Everybody. you put up with whatever you had to. Somehow this is wrong, then. If it's based on ability, then that's just disturbing. I guess, but that's America. We're willing to put up with your controversial political statement as long as you lead us to victory. Think about, uh, uh, you, you know, think about your top sellers or something at, uh, at whatever business you work for. I mean, if you're hitting your budget every month and and uh, you're bringing in more than anybody else, you probably get away with a but, lot more. But, but, yeah, that's true. But this is out in front for everyone to see. Which is exactly why Colin Kaepernick did it is because he used the, the voice that his – football playing ability gave him and and he utilized it in in a controversial way that he thought was best and maybe it is i'm, I'm not agreeing or See, disagreeing I, here but i, I dis- there is consequence to i that. disagree with those who would say hey you're a hypocrite if he came back and didn't do it because he made his statement that doesn't mean because you've made a statement does that mean you have to continue to make that statement no in fact michael vick told him uh it's, michael vick said if it were me i would put on a suit and fall in line because i want to play football and Michael Vick got killed for that, and I I never understood why. I mean, he made his point. At what point can he say, "All right, I've I've been an activist, and I don't I'm not backing down from anything, but I gotta I gotta have a job." And if you wanted to make comment on it after the game, you could. But I'm not sure. I agree with you. I don't think he has to continue with the gesture from now till kingdom come. Right. He's made his point. Say, hey, after I retire, I'm going to write a book. Or, you know, after I, I retire, or I'm, I'm going to donate X amount of my paycheck to this organization or that organization. Mm-hmm. You know, that sort of thing. But at the same time, you've got to be uh, – listen, we get a lot of freedom on the airwaves, Gordon. You know, we can cover – sometimes we dabble into the political uh, a little bit. But I certainly have opinions that I keep to myself about things that don't have to do with the show or sports. Just because you have the – the voice or the vehicle doesn't mean that you have to utilize it in that way. I don't think, you know, I, I don't think just be, I don't think that Michael Jordan, because he said the Republicans buy sneakers too. I don't think he's any less of an American mm-hmm. because he made that choice. Right. I don't think that way at all. I think he's just trying to, to make his life in this world like the rest of us. And there's, there's nothing wrong with that. And if Kaepernick would say, Hey, listen, I'm going to put my political activism to the side or to my private life. And I'm going to concentrate on football. I, I absolutely would wouldn't think he were less of a person would you no because it okay look if you make if you make a, a controversial statement on the air and it it stirs things up that doesn't mean you have to repeat it every show right 
And if you don't repeat it, it doesn't make you a hypocrite. I agree. You said what you said, and you meant it. Now you move on. If I'm Kaepernick and I wanted a job, I'd tell whoever was representative of what team at that workout, I'd say, listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put on my cleats and I'm going to go to work. And that's going to be the extent of it. You know, well, I'm sure I'll get questions, and I'm just going to tell them my answer every time is going to be I'm here to play football. Man, if that's, that's his, that, if, if he wanted a job, that's what that's what he has to. If do. he's good enough to play and he makes that statement, somebody would sign him. Probably, probably. Yeah. But so, then he would take criticism from people who are angry, who want him to continue with his stance, and they will say you're being bullied. You're, you're you should be able to make your your statement and go on making your statement. And uh, even worse, you are there's something wrong with you. You're weak because you're not. Uh, I don't think he is weak from that standpoint if that were his course. We all have that option to say what we say or do what we do and then move on. Right. I, uh, you know, I've talked to uh, younger people, uh, and we're a little bit over here, Gordon, but I, I've talked about you know, to younger people about make sure you watch what you put on social media as you go out into the world and you're trying to get a job. People look at that stuff. Right. So if you don't post a bunch of controversial stuff to your social media, are you all of a sudden a, a worse person, or are you somebody that wants to have a career for themselves? It well, doesn't make you any less of an American or less of a citizen. What would you say to people? And again, we're short here. I get it. But what would you say about people who post things on social media that might show some personal weakness in their experience, but that they think is going to help others? Is that okay? Of course. Well, this is America. Any of this is okay. But I mean, would that would that give you cause for concern as far as gaining employment later in your life? If you had a certain problem, let's say you eat too much or that's a problem for you. Uh, and you discuss it in a public setting, will that set you up for difficulty with employers later or some sort of physical uh, uh, limitation that you discuss publicly to help other people? Is someone going to hold that against you? No, because in that case, I think it would be discriminatory. But, I mean, if you post... Yeah, but that stuff gets hidden all the time, doesn't it? It does. But if you... Oh, you didn't get the job. It was a nice try, but not for the reasons that you might be accused. But if you used a bunch of curse words in a a political post, uh, calling somebody just horrible things, and a future employer looked at that and said, you know what, I don't don't need that. I mean, I... I try to make it a point, not that uh, I would do this anyway, but I, I never curse in social media. What about, what about someone who's a model? They're a model. And so on, instant, uh, on Instagram or on various uh, uh, venues for uh, social media, you, you post a bunch of uh, bikini pictures. And then three years later, you want to apply as a teacher at a school. Will someone not hire you because of that? I would hope not. But I would also hope... Um, I would also hope, let's say I went out for a raucous night with the fellas, right? Uh-huh. And I post all these pictures of me uh, imbibing and right. behaving uh, in, a, uh, in a way that I probably wasn't the most proud of, you know, or, or doing something like that. Like, should that affect me getting a job down the line? Probably not. I was just out blowing off some steam. But would I be surprised if it did affect but me? Everybody yeah, has, uh, every, no. Everybody has different reasons for being discriminatory. Right. So you know, that's I mean, they, okay. I've got I've got t- ten different guys or women or people candidates that I could hire, 
and I didn't like something you posted on social media, so I'm not going to hire you. That's the world we live in, unfortunately. Or fortunately, I mean, depending on how you look at it. All right, stay tuned. We'll have more next. Big Show 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Want to remind you about Diamond Airport parking, fantastic rates, free car washes, 24-7 shuttle service, detail, oil changes, and glass repair while you're away. Diamond Airport with the best rewards program in Utah. Only airport valet service in Utah. Park right and save just off I-80 and Redwood Road. Diamond Airport parking. Uh, we've we've solved the Kaepernick situation, Gordon. We're we ta- talking about it uh, off the air, and I was telling you how much it bothered me that, that Colin Kaepernick didn't vote. When he was going through all this stuff, somebody asked him, said, hey, did you get out and vote today? And he's like, nah, nah I couldn't be bothered, you know? And that, that just totally bugged me because here's you, you're a political activist and you can't even be bothered to do, one of a, to do our basic American right of, of voting. And, and so he should. We were talking about this off the air. If, if I were him, I would tell all these NFL executives, I would say, I would say listen, uh, no more kneeling from me, no more Castro shirts, none of this stuff. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fall in line and I'm going to play football. And I'm also going to pour all of my political uh, energy and all of my political resources in a get-out-the-vote campaign. Because, after all, isn't that the most effective way to affect change anyway? Yes. And, and and it's unassailable. Who could who could criticize Colin Kaepernick for for pushing get out the vote? Nobody. That's on America. Oh, whoa. oh wait. Right. Hmm. I mean, could could President Trump send out a an aggressive tweet toward Colin Kaepernick? <laughs> How dare he encourage people to vote? How dare he? Maybe he would send out. Fire him. How, how dare he encourage anyone to vote who wouldn't vote for me? But, but that's what I do. If I, if I were Colin Kaepernick, I'd say, hey, listen, I'm going to fall in line. And the only political thing you're going to get from me is I'm dumping a bunch of resources and my vote, uh, my voice to a get out the vote campaign. You're still being politically active. In fact, you're probably being more effective than you were in the first place. And really, nobody can criticize you. It's perfect. It's perfect. He should give me a bunch of money. I'd get him right back into the NFL. <laughs> Just listen to you. Put your ear, your ear, uh, what'd you call them? Your listening ears? Your listening ears on. Put yeah. those listening ears on, Colin, and, and get those folks out to the out to the polls. Here, here. All right. Uh, 10905 South Automall Drive. That's where we are. Larry H. Miller Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram. Gordon, we encourage folks to come out and take advantage. It's their Black Friday sales event going on all month long, and their Employee Pricing Plus. There's not never been a better time to get into one of these beautiful cars. They have over 12 acres of inventory. We'll have more Big Show coming up next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.